Cult Podcast features adult themes and graphic descriptions of violence. Listener discretion is advised. Now please, enjoy the show. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Thank you for tuning in to Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have... Andrea Gazzetta. Yay! And we've got a special guest this week. Keith Carey. Yay! Yay! Awesome! <laughs> Keith Carey comes to us from the Mean Boys podcast, where yeah. he lives. I do. Lives I live there. in the... I've been uploaded to the cloud. And I'm just in the pocket of the, the internet where they keep like, the My Little Pony porn. Yeah. Lock oh me in God. a box over there. Oh, bronies. I don't want to go to that part. Um, so part of the reason we have Keith on the show today is because you've got a little bit of a personal connection to a, the Manza family. A little bit of a weird one. Yeah, uh, yeah. I love Hitler. <laughs> Can't get enough of swastika on my wiener. No. <laughs> my step-grandma was actually briefly in the Manson family. Nice. Uh, she what? wasn't around. Yeah, she wasn't around for any of this business. But like in the early, like kind of going, like when they got, I think it was like out in L.A. Mm-hmm. She was bombing around with them. Yeah, she she was real weird. She hung out with like, uh, what's his name? Uh uh, the acid guy, Timothy Leary, mm-hmm. and like all those people. So she kind of bounced from like weird scene to weird scene. But yeah, she was briefly uh, in the Manson family. Fun times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It sounds like that. Those were the only fun times. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get into some of that. Uh, well, yeah. Well, I mean, it, episode, you know, yeah. when you hear, yeah, I mean, we're gonna talk about it, obviously, but mm-hmm. some of the stories, like before it gets real scary with Manson, you're like, that seems pretty groovy. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, let's, yeah. Just, let's just do you know acid and eat ninety pussies in a day and go hang out with the Beach Boys. That's like a, it's not that's a terrible 100%. life. What but, yeah, that's what yeah. I want to do. Minus all the murder and the the, the Nazi stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hang out with the Beach Boys now, though. I'd hang out with Brian Wilson. Though. I'd hang out well, with them he, back. I mean, the he's got money. He's crazy. He'd probably yeah. take you to Legoland or some shit. They made like <laughs> I, can take, I can take you to Legoland. Yeah. It sucks. <laughs> well, I don't want to go with you. <laughs> You're not Brian Wilson. Yeah. No, but I walk around. You don't around, have Grammys. I walk around Legoland and be like, I built that one. I built that one. <laughs> Stupid ass Legoland. I don't know why I said Legoland. I don't know. I hate that place. I'm sorry. What Continue. a weird grudge to have. It's all good. He used to work there. Yeah. So, just a recap of what we covered last week. So, last week, we covered most of Charlie's childhood. Uh, 14 of his 29 years spent in prison. Uh, and <laughs> it's rough. Yeah. Yikes. Lots of rape. Um, considerably less rape in this episode. You're Yay. welcome. Yay. You'll notice she didn't say zero. <laughs> yeah. You can never really say zero with Manson. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yikes. Uh, pretty yikes. Um, but... If you listen to last week, you'll remember that we left off with him being released from prison in Washington and moving to Berkeley. Well, San Francisco Bay Area, but specifically yeah. Berkeley. Da Golden Bears. <laughs> we don't know. Come on. <laughs> Berkeley, Cal Berkeley Gold. Okay. I don't, no, know, I'm, I'm I don't a, know what that is, but I'm it's aware, the college I'm football shut team. Up. I'm aware that it's the Cal Bears. I grew up a stone's throw throw from it but we don't really care about sports yeah. we're, we're too Aww. busy building microchips i truly and- dislike northern california and the fact <laughs> that charles manson was hanging out there does not where are you are oh, you from the oc i'm That's from right. the OC, the OC. yeah i grew also, up don't call it that like <laughs> from oc not the oc yeah you're from the the oc no the, 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 the show kills me no the show you're from <laughs> <laughs> you lived in the show, the OC, and then I you did, moved yeah. to the mean po- okay. Yeah, I moved to the uh, internet. When I went to college at UC Irvine, they had shirts that said the only UC in the OC, and it was... Man, I've never wanted to stab a shirt in the Horrendous, face yeah. Um, Take this shirt off so I can stab it. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
that I grew up literally just a handful of miles from where a lot of our episodes going to take place today. Um, and all the way up into the late 80s, early 90s, when I was growing up, a lot of these places that we're going to cover were considered dangerous and you just shouldn't go to them. That's how much the effects of the hippie movement just bled into Bay Area society. Hmm, okay. Like, it wasn't until I was a full-blown adult that I went to the Haight-Ashbury district because up until then, you just didn't go. Like, you would get stabbed. Like, it was just bad. You don't go. Yeah. Yeah. You just have rough. to plan that around your day. You're like, I got to go down to the gotta store go there. get stabbed. Yeah, I got to go around Hippie Murder yeah. Junction. <laughs> yeah. Allow 30 minutes for stabbing. <laughs> we, did, we did go to Berkeley a lot growing up, and as we'll kind of see as we go through... Um, Berkeley kind of never unhippied itself. So even just the way the town is laid out, there's a giant park in the middle, there's the college, and then there's just a million and a half record stores, hash shops, and whatever. It's, you know, it's a lot of fantastic pizza, but yeah. That sounds like heaven. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Like, that's why we always went. Not for, I mean, Mainly because that was... So growing up, we still had record stores because uh -huh. there was Amoeba and then Rasputin right across. Mm -hmm. And the Rasputin there was the best record store. It was like two or three floors and the bottom floor was all 60s. Is the Amoeba there not like the Amoeba here? The Amoeba there took over the Rasputin okay. eventually, but that Amoeba was considerably smaller and specialized in 90s grunge. Oh, okay. Very right. Amoeba-like to absorb another record store. Oh. Well, yeah, Rasputin Ras Science. Ras okay. kind of <laughs> business. So. It's always fun when a joke goes, learning. Learning. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so it's as we... we the Miss Frizzle-ass riff. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, you know, colored VW bus that we shrunk down and put inside yeah. you. It's great. So, I'm just picturing Charles Manson in charge of the magic school bus. <laughs> that's kind of what happens. We're going to teach the kidney a lesson today. <laughs> oh, that's right. we got to do Dueling the Manson voice. Hold on. i got to warm up. All right. <laughs> Do re mi. Uh, I don't. I thought that was gonna be. Do re mi fa sol la helter skelter. This is gonna be great. <laughs> uh, so Charles traveled to Berkeley, and as we established a little bit on the last episode, he'd been in prison for almost a decade at that point. So he was really entering a land that he did not understand. He had gone into prison. When Charlie went into prison, it was right at the end of the 50s, beginning of the 60s. There was still a lot of nuclear family, crinoline skirts, you know, quote-unquote wholesome, happy-go-lucky America. Um, but he was exiting prison in 1967, where fringe, long hair, free love, and pot ruled the day, and he was entering the epicenter of it at Cal Berkeley. So following World War II, roughly 10% of college-aged adults attended college, and then 20 years later in 1967, that number had swelled to 32% and growing, and colleges have become battleground for the counterculture movement, none more so than Berkeley. Um... This is the point where we're going to do what we do every time we do a cult this big, like Om Shinrikyo, um, where we kind of have to establish why Manson was allowed to flourish at the time and the place that he was. So there was, as we all know, a cultural divide pretty common in any time where cults flourish. Um, the older generations really hated this kind of new counterculture movement, so much so that the newly elected governor of California, former actor Ronald Reagan, made it a part of his election speech saying that he would clean up the mess at Cal Berkeley in 1966, a year before Charlie arrived. So 
here does the mess refer to just the hippie movement yeah yeah okay and they had had a free speech rally and any number of like be-ins and protests that were considered a nuisance by anyone who wasn't basically there how many terrible stories in american history start with ronald reagan going i'll handle it <laughs> so many yes. i'll handle it yada yada basically 9-11 yeah yeah you know it's one of those things where it's like what's the harm in hiring an actor to you know office oh wait oh wait it's always bad great yeah. great <laughs> schwarzenegger's pretty good though right um i mean he didn't kill us yeah no he actively saved us from robots multiple times <laughs> Schwarzenegger, two more terms. How many times can a governor serve? I don't know anything about politics. He could, he, if he wanted to run and get elected again, he could, I guess. Yeah. All right. I, I don't think it's going to happen, but. I hope it does. Um, anyway. Very boring sequel. Yeah. What's well, like the Terminator movies? Every few years, they're like, any interest now? Okay, goodbye. Me, I'm the only one. I'm the lone Terminator. You still fan. want new Terminator movies? I would watch a new Terminator movie. There's no every more year. story to tell, Paige. I know, and I don't Once care. Once upon a time, there were robots, and one of them was a big German guy. The end. Well, and the last one Austrian was literally guy. the first one over again. Yeah, it was a hot pile of ass. <laughs> Uh, I totally saw it in theaters. Not of course you did. You're the one person. <laughs> I'm the one person. Um, so because Charlie had been in prison for all of this, he missed literally everything. He was in reform school in prison for the entirety of the Korean War, so he had no idea that it happened, which is <laughs> insane because during the war, they had a real tendency for recruiting prisoners to basically be like, hey, instead of staying in prison, come fight. And Charlie was considered too dangerous to fight. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Nothing about anything about Charlie Manson is like, let's give that guy a gun. Right. Uh, He had completely missed the start of the Vietnam War. And unlike the college students he was with, he had aged out of the draft. So he'd never had to serve. So he didn't understand why people were so angry about Vietnam. It made no sense to him, basically. Um, this is also his first encounter with the Black Panthers. Uh, he was shocked to see African Americans so openly militant. He didn't understand that one either. <laughs> um, he's very um, he, he did liberal like, with the N word. Oh, okay, never mind. I was gonna say he was probably a fan of the the album that came with it, though. The Kendrick songs were really good on it. The well, Black Come uh, on. Uh, of all the ways you could have done what you just did, <laughs> you picked the lamest, shittiest way. I was trying to figure out. The way to do it. More like Hack Panther. Anything? I really like the soundtrack of that joke that Kendrick Lamar songs were pretty good. <laughs> oh, man. Double down. Never quit, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so Charlie walked around campus for a few days listening to all the protest speeches because they were pretty much a constant at this time at Berkeley. Um, but none of them really resonated with him. He was literally clueless about the wars. He didn't know they were happening. Um, and his history of being a pimp meant that the women's liberation didn't really appeal to him either. <laughs> a brief history of being a pimp is also Stephen Hawking's first book. <laughs> Before he got into black holes, he was in the black hose. No, he was still in the black holes at that point when you think about it. Did oh, he God. Have- <laughs> the rims really spin on that wheelchair. <laughs> Where's my money? <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, Charlie also didn't care about civil rights. He had never been huge about the plight of people of color. He was perfectly fine with him if they stayed down. Um, again, this 
comes from his likely sociopathy. He has no empathy for people that aren't Charles Manson. Is there some... So, I, I, I'm only vaguely... He was in yeah. prison from, like, 15 to... He was in prison from 12 okay. to 21. Right. And then again from, like, 23 to 29. What is he, Dude. my dad? <laughs> <laughs> nah, because he came back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you think that... I, I mean, is there something to, like, some of the racial shit he has kind of coming from growing up in the prison system? Very likely. Not saying it's... I'm not trying to let yeah, him off no, the hook. Yeah, no, but, it's but just, very, uh, very likely. He also didn't have a very easy time in prison. Um, right. His first, like, 12 to 21 was basically just rape central yeah. rape and abuse central and he was young and small for his age so he got victimized more than most gotcha, gotcha. Um, his second kind of tour in prison if you want was largely uneventful that's where he learned to play guitar and, and shit so yeah, I, that, that but that good. first one sounds like way more fun than the rape one <laughs> yeah 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 the rape one was definitely that just sounds a bad like two one. kids who like had very different experiences at a summer camp yes <laughs> yeah, yeah I yeah, like to play the guitar I uh I didn't <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't want to talk about it yeah. <laughs> I went into the closet with the counselor and yeah I know. uh so like I said not <laughs> I'm sorry did it get really real <laughs> No, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you thought was going to happen here today, Armando. <laughs> so, uh, regardless, even though he didn't really care about any of the, let's say, causes that they had, he soon embraced the idea that this time and place was perfect for him to just be different. Because as we remember from the last episode, he was constantly an outcast. And finally, he wasn't. It was pretty new for him. Um... Additionally, people didn't hold his jail time against him. In fact, he would brag about it, and they thought it was awesome. <laughs> uh, hippies were super into the anti-establishment of him being in prison, and he would a lot of times embellish his prison stories to make him sound like he was like beating the shit out of guards and things, and they were like, that's right, stick it to the man, yeah. when in reality he was... The man, a man stuck it in him. him. Yeah! yeah. yeah. A yes! A lot, a lot. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, his plan after leaving prison was to make money with music and pimping. Uh, but there's only one problem. So uh, he would have loved the no, soundtrack by Kendrick no. Lamar. Yeah, God. God. Damn it. Uh, there was only one problem. I like the idea of it when you look at a whiteboard. Just, Charlie's Road is success. <laughs> 4A, music, 4-2, pimping. Pimpin'. <laughs> Probably pimping before music because he would have used the pimping money to... Fine, which he does later anyway yeah. but like um that's how hip-hop started yeah. there you go pimp financing <laughs> there's only one problem with this this is the 1960s in cal berkeley uh you can't sell something that people just give away yeah, yeah, yeah. So no one was gonna pay for sex when they could just have sex right so he found himself quickly out of a job with no money and with no one really wanting to listen to his music because he had learned from blues guitarists and people had way moved beyond the kind of music that he was making. Yeah. Yeah, he's just like, his musical, like pretty much everything about him is a relic from another time. He was like, yeah, he was in a 100%. time capsule. Yeah, it, He was in a time capsule. It was, you know, maybe people wouldn't 
be so mad about prison if we called it just a time capsule. <laughs> yeah, he was on some Captain America shit. Like they yeah. throws him in ice and he came out and he's like, I can't pimp to save my life. <laughs> I love you Nobody he's... cares about Woody Guthrie and I can't pimp. <laughs> yeah. I love you like he's out of a job. Like pimping is like an, a reasonable employment that he got fired from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm between hoes at the moment. Uh, uh, remember... The recession is hitting my pimp game hard. <laughs> remember also, he had access to the radio in prison but not necessarily current radio. It would be like if you went into a closet and only listened to those stations that were the 80s, 90s, and today and came out thinking that that's what modern music so was. So you were just listening to R. Kelly in the closet? Okay, I'm <laughs> trapped sorry. in the closet. I mean, it's kind of like my parents raised us. We weren't allowed to listen to modern music till I was like 11 or 12. And so for a long time, I played catch up all the way into college. When 808s and Heartbreak came out, my mom like showed it and she was like, this shit is hot. <laughs> she made me listen to Kanye on a road trip. My parents, uh, it was largely for religious reasons, but my dad also fucking loved Ben Folds and Elvis Costello. Really? So they had us listen to that. My mom also loved Elvis Costello. I she love just Elvis fucking Costello. Yeah, he's fucking rad. That was my rebellious phase was Elvis. Because like my, my parents, I grew up in like a punk house. So they were yeah. like, you know, we were listening to like Black Flag when I was an infant. And then when I like <laughs> became a shitty teenager, I'm like, I'm going to get in a new wave. And Elvis Costello. And you know what? Maybe Aerosmith weren't that bad. Like, they were. Aerosmith is the worst band. Uh, you, can't, you can't go out until you burn your vegetables. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is essentially very similar where he has no idea what's happened. He does know about the Beatles and he knows about their fame, but he's listening to early Beatles and this is wildly different era. Oh yeah, it's pop music. Well, yeah, he's listening to their pop music, and they've already gotten to... This is the year that Sgt. Peppers was released, and Rubber Soul had been released two years before. We'll go into the Beatles a lot more in the next episode, um, but suffice it to say, it was not the happy, peppy Beatles he remembered. It was the dark, constantly fighting with each other Beatles that we now know and love. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... <clears throat> Aside from working as like a busboy or a construction worker or a janitor, Charlie suddenly found that he had no acceptable work options and no money. Uh, and so he had to find the easiest way that he knew to get money. And any guesses? Robbing people? No, actually. Oh. I mean, there are some stories in Manson in his own words, which again, I know we didn't go over sources, but they're largely the same for the last episode. In Manson, in his own words, he talks about potentially going to like into restaurants and being like, hey, my friend and I were going to rob this place. But instead, would you let me just like play guitar for you? And, like, like guilting people out of tips. <laughs> he gets one song in. They're like, you know what? Just rob us. <laughs> just fine. Please. Just uh, go get well, the un. That's actually Charles Manson's music ain't that bad. I it's do kind of like it. I, I was waiting for it to come up. Yeah. yeah actually, do you want to drop? A song in? Sure. I played uh, last episode during the sources part. I played a Charles Manson song. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, That's it's a uh, uh, Look at Your Game Girl. Think you're loving, baby, and all you're doing is crying. Can you feel? Ah, those feelings real. Look at your game, girl. Look at your game, girl. What a man. Charles Manson is one of my favorite Manson songs. Here's what I want to know is if you put this in, because sometimes we'll drop songs in mm -hmm. Mean Boys and then we put it up on YouTube and it uh -huh. gets like a copyright claim. Who gets the copyright claim if you drop a Manson song? The I don't owner, know. The owner of the uh, the Masters gets okay. to do it. Yeah. 
I think that might still be Universal or um, Capital. Like, what? Because he actually did record some sessions, mm-hmm. and they have those master tapes. That's how we have the music we have today. Oh shit! Um, and I think part of them, some of them, were still owned by Terry Melcher, who was one of the people they attempted to kill. Yeah, who will come up a lot in the next episode. He, yeah, his he was just. We'll probably talk about that later, but when he tried to record music, I you all record podcasts with me or of your own volition, right. um, so you know how difficult it is to record something well when everyone's trying, but he would like actively, they'd be like, can you talk into the microphone? He's like, nah, that shit looks like a dick, fool. <laughs> <laughs> nah, let's push it! Let's push it over here! Give me a pussy, my goddammit! By the way, every single book I have at one point explicitly says that pussy was his favorite word. <laughs> he and Little Wayne. It was Wayne, neck and neck with the N word. <laughs> yes. He and Little Wayne, if they would have gotten over that small one thing, uh, it would have. They would have been best friends. <laughs> Long hair, weed, and just yeah, they both kind of had a face tattoo. Yeah. Also, uh, there's an interview with Little Wayne where they go, "Little Wayne, what's your favorite food?" And he just goes, mm, "Pussy." Like, he doesn't even look like he's making a joke. He looks like that was his honest response. <laughs> like he opens the fridge and there's just a Tupperware full of pussy. Mm. Oh. <coughs> oh, wait, you're going to throw pussy out because it's not fresh? Sorry, we're not all ready. Hey, 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 seafood goes bad. That can make you really sick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a little rough pussy humor. Um, no, the best way he found to make money, Andrea, do you have another guess? Oh, he went to school and I changed mean, his life around. I was Became just gonna, a registered I think, I think nurse. Turning tricks. Oh, oh, I was gonna say you can always reheat clam chowder, but it's fine. Um. <laughs> oh God, God, that's worse. That's the worst one. Real quick, side note: yesterday for dinner, Andrea ordered filet mignon from a Norms. <laughs> I have, I have also done that. And as okay. her, as her side, she picked clam chowder. Oh, okay. <laughs> from a from a Norms in West Covina. Andrea, that's the fattest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I also, I never trust. Don't seafood, tell them what I ordered. Like inland, like that no, far inland. Dude, I went to Norms? I went to House of Pies and I got oh. clam chowder. And you know what I found in it? A bone. Oh. <laughs> you know what, what? clams don't have bones. <laughs> Someone made a... And here's the problem. It was pretty good, and I still ate the chowder. Yeah, what I left out of that sentence was I also got the chowder, and it was pretty good. <laughs> it's the filet mignon. Like, why would you get the fanciest thing at the shittiest place? Yeah, I got, I got so the shittiest Hello, Arby's? What are you having a veal? <laughs> no, uh, Charlie decided he was going to make money by finding himself a lady who already did make money. Oh, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> I've run this hustle before. As a man currently running this hustle. Uh, So he found Mary Brunner. She was originally from Wisconsin. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited. Oh, hello, Charles. (laughs) Am I Manson? Maybe a little bit. You have crazy hair. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, You're like kind of charming, but mostly upsetting. (laughs) And we've all been pretending to like your music. Yeah. (laughs) Um, she worked as an assistant librarian at Cal Berkeley, um, but she was still new to the area and she had kind of a conservative upbringing. She, she hadn't made like any friends because she wasn't willing to just like bone whoever she saw. Um, her big cause was the environment. She was super into it. 
And if there's one thing that Charlie's good at doing, it's recognizing when a woman is vulnerable and lonely. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so... He, he would have just been a pickup artist if he was around. A hundred percent. I got a big old hat with a feather in it. That's how yeah. you <laughs> I got this boa. It's an interesting piece. Uh, and gets the ladies to ask questions. I will take a ride in my dune buggy. Okay. <laughs> dune buggies are the next episode. Okay. <laughs> um, so he actually scoped Mary out while she was walking her dog. He like watched her. It's really creepy. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't think it was going to be great. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so he befriended her dog first. <laughs> <laughs> and then roped Mary in. Uh, Isn't he, it weird? Sorry, I just want to point out yeah. that a lot of like, old-timey romance stories kind of have this same beginning. Yes. Where like, you your grandparents talk about how they started fucking. It's just yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're following me around the park. Mm-hmm. And like, but this one just ends a little worse. Yeah, yeah. Especially for her. Uh, <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah. She lives... Why did you say it like that? (laughs) Because I never got a definitive answer, but I was pretty sure that she lived. Um, So he informed her that he had nowhere to stay, and she agreed to let him stay with her for a few nights till he got back on his feet. But before that could happen, he dicked her down hardcore. Like, he took it to pound town. I'm assuming this is from in his words. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Uh, The the more polite book that I have says he quickly coaxed her into bed. (laughs) <laughs> um, I like your version better. Yeah. <laughs> All I see is that like she like she unlocks the door, gets in, and she's like, "So yeah, you could just put your shoes right." And she turns around naked, <laughs> <She's> completely <laughs> naked. Here's the thing: I think we need to acknowledge. Like, I am not in any way making excuses for any of Charles Manson's <laughs> behavior or saying he's a good man. He probably fucked really good. Um, uh, allegedly, yeah. Yeah, but that'll come up. Yeah, too. but to, like, it's like a, a perfect like stew of just trauma and evil that's gonna make <laughs> yeah. you like, a really good lay and then a really not bad only that person. he's a short dude. Oh yeah, we got something to prove. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. short dude, something to prove. Not the best looking dude. So he's he's compensating. He's riding high on charm and probably going down on everybody. Yeah. Man, based on these criteria, I am a fuck guy. <laughs> well, I'm that and fat. I mean, when you consider your own upbringing, it's a little Manson-y. That's a fair point. I'll race you to being Manson. <laughs> Uh, so his stay became permanent, <laughs> understandably. Uh, he saw her as a meal ticket. She would go to work at the library, and he would spend all day walking around Berkeley playing his guitar for anyone who would listen, and then bringing girls back to the apartment, uh, which Mary understandably hated. Um, but yeah, what a fucking loser. I- <laughs> Be cool, Mary. <laughs> Uh, regardless, she let him stay and stayed committed to him uh, for years. She believed that someday it would ve- eventually just be her and Charlie. <laughs> this uh, is not the first time. Ladies, no. this is, he, d- d- don't let him bring other women back to the apartment <laughs> you want. No, what are you that's, doing? That's no. That's real. If you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to fuck a bunch of ladies in your house. Scenario. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anytime somebody's just like, Someday it'll be just the two of us. No, it won't. Well, yeah, or if I, it is, it's going to be bad. This, this proves my the, my long-running theory that you can never trust a man who is playing an acoustic guitar outside. <laughs> Not one time has that ever panned out for that's, anyone. You know what? Yeah. I have no... Yeah. yeah. That's that's pretty common with what I've experienced as well. <laughs> They're all bad. They're all bad. Um, so, Charlie, feeling like he had gotten all he needed out of Berkeley, decided to move on to San Francisco. Although he still stayed with Mary. He would commute in and out of the city because she was 
free rent, basically. Oh. Mind you, this is like before we had Bart. So he was hitchhiking across the bridge. Jesus. Yeah. It's not it's not a quick trip. I mean, now, granted, now with traffic, it's a lot worse. But even at the time, it wasn't quick. Yeah, it's a ways to go. It's a ways to go. Yeah. Um. So he decided to move on to San Francisco with his ultimate plan being to go from there to Los Angeles to meet up with a guy at Universal that his prison friend had told him about to record his album. Um, but for now, he had landed in the Haight-Ashbury district where he would see the hippie movement in full force and try a drug that he'd never tried before... LSD. So we've gone over LSD on this show a lot. Keith, you ever done LSD? I have not, and I never will. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the right. Yeah, no, don't that. do it. Why have so many people that put me? To talk me into that it? just like, put that me awful. so much more above you in the Manson. <laughs> <in the Manson's laughs> I've become our resident LSD expert. That's one of the things that I offer. You're genuinely the only non-white person I've ever heard be a fan of LSD. That's fine. The first I have time, a whole theory that it's just a white man's drug because it just makes life a little harder, and we've had it too easy for too long. <laughs> so we're just like, let's take a day trip into adversity. Like that's the whole deal. Yeah, I've done acid. I like acid, but I also don't do acid as much as I have done it in the past. Right. So, I, yeah. It's- I was any amount is too much for yeah, me personally um, I don't know I mean if you don't want to do acid you can do shrooms and it's similar and it's a nice I just got enough demons like I don't need yeah. to drugs, any drug I want to do is to make me forget about how bummed out I am about everything oh else. yeah don't do acid yeah I like Molly Molly's fun <laughs> yeah Molly's, Molly made me feel really fun and happy and nice but acid was like I'm sad and it's my own fault <laughs> oh god yeah and then before- <laughs> The first Not time you start back here, clack. The first time you don't really like hallucinate or see things. Things are just really strange. Uh-huh. And like the first time I did acid, I was with a, a comedian friend, and uh, we watched the documentary, The Comedian. Okay. And there was this weird thing because I we started watching it when it started really kicking in. Right. And so Jerry Seinfeld would move his hands a lot, and each time he did, his hand would grow two times the size <laughs> it was supposed to. And then immediately shrink back down, like his hand was trying to get away from him. That that made me freak out. Yeah. And then also the fact that before I went to sleep, after it had already pretty much worn off, before I went to sleep, Tony goes, "Hey, have you ever seen The Exorcist?" And then closed the no. door. No. <laughs> oh shit. Oh god. So yeah, you, it can be bad. <laughs> that rules. That that sounds pretty terrible. Um, as we covered on, I believe it was our Weird Hollywood Youth episode where we did the history of LSD. Mm-hmm. Um, as we covered, it was developed in Switzerland in the 1930s, um, and it came to America in a couple different forms. Um, we were developing versions of it based on the version from Switzerland in a lot of different college labs. That's mm-hmm. where we get Timothy Leary and Ron Doss. Um, but also, but also for this period in history, there were a lot of interlopers from Europe or from other parts of the world that brought acid to hate Ashbury. And it wasn't always great. The main one, Augustus, Owsley Stanley III. He arrived in San Francisco at the age of 29, only a couple years before Charlie. He was a former Air Force pilot and a Russian monk. 
What's amazing is before you said Air Force, I was going to say that name, Augustus, whatever the third. Yeah. Sounds like he just came there on a blimp. Yeah. <laughs> By Jove, I think we'll drop these tablets yeah. in the water. Guten Tag, strange young people. <laughs> yes. Um, he brought information about LSD back to the States with him. So he had served um, in Korea and while overseas, had basically acquired a ton of LSD, learned how to make it, and that was now his life mission. Oh, I would... N- oh, it's... I would never trust anyone who made acid to try their own homemade acid. Yeah. <laughs> so, here's the thing. So, he devoted his life to it. He was... You know those people that get really into, like, I'm gonna make craft cheese. Like, the best goat <laughs> cheese ever. And you're just like, you do you, he's but then it's amazing. Yeah. Yes. He's getting... This is artisanal LSD. I was shaking my head yes, but then I realized I live a poor life and no. No, I've never <laughs> known anyone. <laughs> so I've gotten one guy who was like, I'm gonna grow my own weed, man. Yeah. I have a roommate who left milk in our fridge so long it became cheese but like yeah, I mean that is how cheese happens yeah. <laughs> and he is an artist so technically it is artisanal cheese yeah, exactly cheese. Um, I bet this dude has a pretty sweet mustache I, just, I would imagine <laughs> I really has like double handle yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's got like the where you curl it like a super villain I yeah love it looks like an evil version of Wario like, not Mario Wario like hippie Robotnik yeah <laughs> Um, so it was so good that soon Owsley acid was all over hate Ashbury. Anybody who was anybody had to get their acid from Owsley. Uh, he set up his own lab with a fake name. <laughs> Faker it, than Augustus Owsley. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was Von like, it was like or whatever. bear research facilities. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sounds legit. Yeah. It sounded legit. Yeah. Um, but he also controlled the price because he was a hardcore hippie as well. Okay. So. If you were a dealer buying from Owsley, you had to promise that you were only going to sell it for $2 a tab. Whoa. Mm-hmm. That's he, a good price. And if he caught you selling it for more, he would no longer sell to you. And he was in such high demand, people just did it. Holy shit. Because you didn't want to have acid that wasn't Owsley's acid. Yeah. Pretty crazy. It's actually kind of an inspirational story. In yeah. a way, I mean that is yeah. created a weird integrity and peace. And not only what, that, like at the time, because everyone wanted his acid and everyone had to abide by his rules, it created kind of a weird ecosystem of friendly dealing. Yeah. Until Charlie got there. <laughs> yeah, the one guy who's like not afraid of anything. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, but he and Owsley made friends. They eventually later on start helping Owsley deal acid outside. Of San Francisco. Okay. So, um, local government officials were mad because they claimed that innocent kids would come to hate Ashbury, take drugs, and end up raped, killed, or homeless, which was true. Oh. Yeah. Unfortunately, that was very accurate. Um... Yeah. That is always kind of, like, the thing with, like, sort of the... Anytime we have, like, the counterculture versus the Mm -hmm. system is, like... You know, obviously, the system sucks. Cops suck. You know, fucking squares suck. But then, you know, the hippies or whatever version of, like, that... It's like, no, everything's wonderful. We can just groove out and have a good time. It's like, no, you're all... A bunch of you are going to fuck up and ruin your life. Yes, and that's exactly what happened. You need a little bit of grown-up energy to Mm -hmm. offset this, or you just have Portland. Like, Exactly. (laughs) And the thing that they didn't really take into account is drugs can be very addictive and they can fuck the shit up out of your life yeah, basically. Oh yeah. Acid can make you lose your fucking mind. A lot. 
it can cause if it works that's what it's doing no but i mean like if you it take no i know yeah. yeah and then also um i had a friend i used to work with at disneyland who had an acid flashback while we were working <gasps> during a fireworks show oh no no it was rough he hid in the trash can <laughs> I've had... like oscar okay oh, yeah exactly <laughs> that's why he's in there <laughs> oh no i'm freaking out bitch <laughs> Uh, also, back in the day when they were like, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard the story of the guy who invented acid and bike day, but when he invented acid, he took it because he wanted to see what it was, and it it was like, I think they said it was like a hundred times stronger than any acid that we have now. Because it's completely no. pure. And he yeah. took it, and then he tried to ride his bike home, like miles away, and then he like lost his fucking mind <laughs> on the ride, and was like, witches are chasing me, I gotta get the fuck out of here, man! <laughs> and that's bike day, and that's yeah. like the acid 420. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, and as we covered on that episode where we talked about the history of acid, acid can cause schizophrenic onset. Oh, that's right. The, we did talk about the history of acid. The first boy I ever had a crush on did so much acid, he's now a schizophrenic. So I really... Yeah, if you're you genetic... You have a type. <laughs> and, and we love you. <laughs> so, uh, understandably, that contributed to kind of a dark element of the neighborhood. It's going to get a little darker later. We'll get into it, too. Um, but Charlie arrived when it was kind of at the tail end of their fun, free drug economy. Um, and he decided he didn't fully jive with the hippie movement because it meant sharing and not having control. And sharing is not part of Charles Manson's oeuvre. He wants whatever people can, like, give him, if that makes sense. Yeah. So he'll share as long as it means he gets things, um, but not if he has to give things away. That's what sharing means. Yeah, like I said, not good at it. Uh, he decided his best bet was to become a street preacher and a guru because he basically watched as a number of street preachers and gurus kind of roamed the city and gained followers, and their followers would give them stuff. Hmm. I was going to say all that time in prison really got him used to taking, so it's... it's <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. So rough. What is funny that you think of Charles Manson as like an evil hippie, and then you're like, yeah, because he brought capitalism. Yeah, he did. <laughs> as a concept of the hippie Well, and world. when you think about it, he came from... his. He's a man out of time, and his time was capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. So that's he's just true. doing what he knows in a way. Um, yeah. His time, if you want to go back to it, is the most free market capitalism because he grew up in like the 30s, 40s, 50s, where it was like hobo <coughs> economy of right. just like, I will take whatever I can. It's like the most capitalist. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, he used all of his previous information that we covered from the last episode where he had taken the Dale Carnegie course in prison. Uh, he had grown up in the Nazarene church and he went and listened to basically every street preacher in town. So he basically for a couple days just went, listened to everybody, memorized their best lines and then cobbled them together into his own speech using Scientology, Bible passages, the Dale Carnegie series and Beatles lyrics. But remember, this isn't like... He adds Beatles lyrics in now, but it's not the Beatles lyrics we think of him using. Because he only has access to early Beatles. At best, he would maybe have access to Rubber Soul at this point. So he's talking like, I want to hold your hand, Eric. Yeah. Um, the only thing that 
is the most current that he may have had access to is uh, with a little help from my friends. Okay. Mm. So he could have potentially used that, but he would kind of change it up. Um, but he's putting together this like street sermon yeah, made just, of other people's shit. Exactly. So he's Charlos Mencia at this he's point. He's Charlos Mencia. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when you think about it, one of the things that really draws people to religions is recognition of a way that they feel where if it's a recognition of familiarity, if that makes sense. Right. So if you're searching for something and you hear Beatles lyrics and you're like, I kind of get that, easy to join. Yeah. I would I would not. Like, if I was at a church or something and somebody was, like, preaching and they threw it in there, I'd be like, this motherfucker steal from the Beatles? <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember when I was a kid and I was, like, still going to church or whatever, like, the, the youth pastors would be like, well, we're going to rap about how the Lord's kind of like Star Wars. And I'm like, ah, you fucking dorks. Nice try. Well, it's I just would... because Star Wars is the hero cycle and it's everywhere. Yeah, but it would be whatever was popular. Right, right. Like, You know, Jesus could catch them all. Like, okay, but, but instead of charring, it's uh, your soul at you. I don't know. Fucking just your pray. Soul just pray and get Jesus, molested already. Jesus Pokemoning people's souls sounds kind of awesome. Yeah, that's the rapture. <laughs> like, oh, fuck it through the master ball and everybody who didn't commit a sin. The ribbity rap rapture. Uh... <laughs> oh, my name is Jesus and I'm here to say. <laughs> Taking your souls and going away. <laughs> we, we've covered the rapture a couple times, haven't we? Oh, yeah, because we covered... Um, the uh, Harold Camping Radio oh, yeah. station that yeah, was yeah, yeah, hardcore yeah. rapture oriented. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Charlie started preaching. His big thing was like, I am you, you are me, we are we, which again, Sergeant Peppers. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of no one's in charge of anyone except me because I have all the information, but also we're all together, free love. And then he was taking copious amounts of LSD, which made him believe that he was a lot like Jesus. Yeah, one thing that LSD okay. one thing that LSD will do is it puts you in a really unique mindset where if you believe something to be true, it becomes true in your brain. But also, like those things have long lasting effects because it makes you think about things in different ways, and it actually accesses different parts of your brain. Okay. So you'll think of something, and then when you're not high anymore, that thought will still be here. And then also the tail end effects of LSD and especially during are the same kind of like, uh, it's like similar to like cocaine where you're just like very, um, hyper, very awake and you're very, um, what's the word? Um, present, not necessarily present, but like self-involved, I guess. Self-aware? No. What am I trying to say? Like too confident, narcissistic, overconfident to the point where you're like, I can fucking do anything. I'm just, I'm always impressed when you hear somebody like doing shit, like, on this many drugs. Like, I can't order a pizza if I'm kind of stoned. <laughs> oh. Took a pound of acid and then started, uh, became God. Have yeah. you done the Gateway show? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Billy yeah. Anderson and Mateen told me your story. <laughs> Wait, oh, God. He apparently, with the way Mateen said it is that... I want to hear how Mateen told it because I know how it went. Damn. Mateen said that he got so high and he doesn't smoke that he started to get kind of freaked out and he went on stage. Oh, yeah, I was crying before I got on stage. Oh. Yeah. He said that they found 
found you and then they had to put you up on stage yeah. and then you went up there and you were there for uh not that long and you got off stage and you were super apologetic and being like i'm sorry i went over i was up there for like 20 minutes and they were oh. like you did three minutes yeah. I, I fully oh we didn't tell the best that. part so i was there with uh, kyle clark and mateen stewart and billy anderson and i'm sitting on the stage i had bombed my sober set too so i was already having a bad time <laughs> and i'm trying to roast people in the audience <laughs> I'm like, that's like my one maneuver. I can just do that on autopilot. Yeah. But it's drifting off into like dumb drug territory. It's yeah. like, nice hat, lady. What are you, part of an ever-expanding cosmos? That <laughs> the- oh, fuck. <laughs> and I'm trying to tether myself to reality. And then I see everyone I know walking in. And I just like, I don't know Mateen that well. And he's a yeah. very nice guy. But I'm just like, oh, it's Kyle and Billy and the black one. <laughs> remember his name I and I just said that and he just goes tell a joke motherfucker <laughs> and I did not that's uh, so great my favorite was when you and I did that show with Mateen and it was an all white audience in the middle of like Thousand Oaks or some shit yeah. and Machine Mateen walks in in a dashiki and a Malcolm X <laughs> yeah a fucking while uh, Woodland I was Hills. on stage oh, it was yeah. Woodland, Woodland Hills. Hills yeah while I was on stage and I they hated and that crowd hated everybody right and so at one point I was just like, man, this fucking sucks. I'm just excited that I got to see all of your faces when Mateen walked in. And Mateen was like, that's right, girl. <laughs> he walked on stage with the dashiki and a baseball hat. And an older guy just went, ooh. And then went, <laughs> and got up and left. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> it was oh, so great. I'm sorry. Continue. It was fantastic. And anyway, I'm, I very much empathize with that because I don't really smoke weed. And the first time I did, I freaked out and drove 10 miles an hour to my house which was two miles away but it took like half an hour right and then ditched the car <laughs> just quietly what? rolled it into a ditch no 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 i like made it to There's my too gr- much heat mama's gotta go away it was i put it in the garage i was like i can't have the cops find in the car and then like got out of the garage and walked the block to the rock and roll ralphs because i only lived a block away <laughs> and saw a homeless woman throat singing and was like, she could take us on a spirit journey. And then like, you know how sober <laughs> you were like, oh no, she's just having a meth stroke. Yeah. <laughs> sober me was like, Paige, she's just on drugs. But then drug me was like, we're on drugs right now. <laughs> uh, and then I went to the Ralph's and stared at a box of wheat thins for way too long. That rules. I got high on acid and tried to make chicken noodle soup with Tony and I looked inside and it was just vomit. Oh, gross. it wasn't actually. Oh. It was actually chicken noodle soup, but which now kind of looks vomiting. Yeah. I can't eat chicken noodle soup anymore because me neither. Thanks, vomiting. bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have every, to go get another cup of bone chowder. <laughs> yeah. Every version of me on every drug is me petting people more and telling them I love them more. Yeah. Oh. I would, Just every drug. Is I would that. pay a lot of money to see you do like a bunch of cocaine. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> That was my dad's drug of choice. Anyways. So So if we get 400 iTunes. (laughs) No. No. Oh, please no. 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 Oh, come do blow on Mean Boys. (laughs) Not Uh, on you, right? No, no. Oh, on the podcast. On the show. Clearly it would be on I'm not trying to do some sort of, like, the devil's sushi platter. Like, no, none of that. Connor looks like he is made of cocaine. Yeah. Okay, um... Uh, anyways, I don't so, know if this is an open offer. Even just the cocaine, I'll just take the cocaine. <laughs> if that's it's not funny if you do it. <laughs> <laughs> so Charlie, because of the LSD, believed he was Jesus, and also because he's Charlie and kind of an asshole, and yeah. I think wanted to be Jesus the whole time. Yeah. Um. So he gathered a handful of disciples. People actually listened to him. And he started sending them out to recruit, and then he would determine who would get to stay. 
Spoiler alert, it was mostly girls. Um, and Mary, his meal ticket slash apartment mate, still in. Apartment mate? Apartment mate. Landlord apartment at owner. best. <laughs> Landlord at best. Um, so he would send his disciples up and down the coast and up and around the bay. And then he would go hitchhiking on kind of small two, three hour trips out of town for a couple days at a time to try and recruit people from outside Hate Ashbury. This is exactly what Moon did. Yeah. In uh, in our series about the Moonies of just like because I think there's something positive about sending people who genuinely believe the message that you're trying to spread because mm-hmm. they they mean it and they don't yeah. get like if 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 you have Charles explain it there's a whiff of bullshit because yeah. he knows he's bullshit but they don't and yeah. so it's very genuine. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and if somebody tells you like I'm God, it'd be like okay, well I don't think you are. Yeah. But if somebody else is like this guy I know is God, it'd be like well I like this guy. Let's see what, what God's <laughs> right, <about."> right. <laughs> uh, anyway, on on one of these trips, Charlie had actually borrowed a car, and as he was driving up the coast, he parked his car next to the beach. Borrowed a car? Yeah. <laughs> For, who let Charles? <laughs> <laughs> it happens so many times. What? Apparently, in the 1960s, people were just like, yeah, take it. I don't give a shit. I will give it. I appreciate. Let me borrow the car. Now, I'm not going to fill it up with gas, and I'm not going to wash it, but it will come back with less doors than you'd like. <laughs> he did surprisingly bring the cars back, because he used to steal cars. So, part of me, every time somebody, like, lends him a car, I'm like, that car's not coming back. But they always do. I feel like he brings you the car back that he borrowed and, like, makes a big deal. But I could have took it, but I didn't. You're welcome. Yeah. You know, I did you a favor. So I know I was going to pay you 20 bucks, but since I brought it back. <laughs> I was going to steal your car, but can I just sit inside and play my guitar? <laughs> Um, on one of these trips he parked his car next to the coast and he saw a girl sitting on the beach crying this was 18 year old Lynette Fromm who he dubbed Squeaky. Oh, no. Now, if and now the first member of the shitty Avengers. The first <laughs> member of the this, shitty Avengers is, is here. This sounds gonna, like, oh, I was just going to say, this sounds like my backstory. So I'm just <laughs> oh, like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that is how I found you. <laughs> That's very accurate. So he tried to and get he her. he calls to, her Squeaky. <laughs> <laughs> he tried to get her to join him. She was resistant at first because she wanted to go back and finish the next semester of school. But literally he was like, all right, fine. And turned around and left. And she was like, no, wait. <laughs> followed. Um, if you saw Bad Times at the El Royale, this exact story plays out with two characters. Um, the only twist is that they have their quote-unquote squeaky character as one of the murderers. Squeaky actually doesn't take part in the murders. She does threaten to kill a president later. So she didn't get away squeaky clean. Not okay. at all. Thank <laughs> Fucking boo. <laughs> Thank God. I thought you were going to let her get away with it. Oh my God. Which president? Um, I believe Gerald Ford. Oh. Of all the ones. Yeah. Like, what did I do? Yeah. I, I would need to double check that because that's in my notes for episode four, but uh, I'm pretty sure it was Gerald Ford. Um, I just make sure Gerald Ford's presidency, just him for four years, just going, duh. <laughs> Pretty true. Somebody just feeding him oatmeal with a big spoon. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm president of breakfast. Uh. Every time I think of Gerald Ford, I think of an old SNL sketch where Dana Carvey is playing um, a newscaster constantly pre-recording Gerald Ford's death. Uh. Where it's just like, Gerald Ford dead today at the age of 83 of a heart attack. And they just play out like so many different ways he could have died. <laughs> Um, while he was, I believe, still president. Uh, that's pretty <laughs> funny. This is pretty ridiculous. 
Um, with a little bit of coaxing, squeaky, Charlie and Mary were now a polyamorous triad. Yay. <laughs> it's less coaxing and more Charlie just went, I'm doing this. And they're both like, oh, well, okay. we're damaged. I guess we're here. I Someone didn't some... hug us enough to say no, so sure. I just saw Charlie in the corner just going, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I like you, Charlie is Beetlejuice at this yeah. point. <laughs> I've used that three so times, many. You just kind of like. <laughs> I, I've used. I killed your dog. <laughs> <laughs> You said it was loud. I killed your dog. Um, I, 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 <laughs> I used to use I used to use come on so all the time for anything, and it worked because I realized that any any bullshit that you can feed somebody as a as an excuse or as a convincing argument yeah. is boiled down to come on. <laughs> so there's times where I've been like, I, w- I went to a Wendy's and I was like, I like to pay with my EBT. And they're like, we don't take EBT after 11. And I just went, come on. And then he let me do it. <laughs> I think if you're just honest with people, you're just like, come on, man. We're weird. We don't take it after 11. Sorry, you'll have to be poor earlier. <laughs> <laughs> This is an elite club. This is, so this is a Wendy's. <laughs> so Squeaky apparently as a teenager had tried to kill herself. So she was extra vulnerable. That's why yeah. she had run away. Um, and apparently the way that he got them to be a triad is that he had sex with Squeaky in front of Mary and then had sex with Mary in front of Squeaky and then was just like, huh? Come on. Come on. <laughs> and it worked. Uh, it was the human equivalent of like a weird kid mashing Barbies together. <laughs> For sure. Um, after- worked at the Wendy's. I knew it would work here. <laughs> um, it's also the same tactic R. Kelly uses that we oh. covered in the R. Kelly episode. It's literally the same. <laughs> I love that you guys have a cult podcast and you did R. Kelly before you did Charles Manson. <laughs> well, we wanted to like do multi-episodes on Charles Manson and we wanted to do it on his birthday, which is also my birthday. Right. Yeah. You also got to pace them out because we do all of them up quick and then we get good and then everyone's like now do the big ones and we're like oh boy <laughs> uh so yeah we gotta space them out but we yeah r kelly's episode nine. <laughs> oh shit it's <laughs> really early on um so at this point now that he had formed the triad and figured out that it could work charlie knew exactly who he wanted to add next on one of his hitchhiking trips he was picked up by a congressman a former congressman i believe who brought Charlie home to meet his wife and daughter, which is how the oh, daughter... Oh, bad move! Which, by the way, this is the second time this has happened, because that happened on the first episode, too, where a guy was like, come meet my kids! And Charlie was like, I'm gonna take one. Thank <laughs> you. I mean, Charles, he, yeah, he just walks into this, like, house with, like, a wife and daughter. He's like, well, this one was a gimme. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh, it even says in some of the notes, it's like, yeah, the wife wasn't interesting to him, but the daughter... Oh, 15-year-old oh. Ruth okay. Ann Morehouse. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Um, so her dad uh, was pretty taken with Charlie for some reason. He thought he was very interesting. Um, so he... Yes. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's the understatement of the century. Uh, yeah, the Holocaust, kind of a bummer. Kind like, of a, hey. But um, interesting. Yeah. But interesting. They had like a dilapidated piano in their house and Charlie was just like, can I have it? And they were like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Uh, and Charlie okay real quick um, that's exactly how it happened I wish it was more detailed come on come on you need to get to the come on phase the guy was just like sure you're a musician and just like take this piano neat as, <laughs> as a small like 
again, aside, I just wanted you to know, because I do a lot of things with Tony Bartoloni. We went to Paul Provenza's house on mushrooms, uh, and I didn't, know it was Paul up, Proven- I didn't know it was Paul Provenza's house before he got there. Tony said, do you want to go to a birthday party and do mushrooms? And I was yeah. like, that sounds great. And then we show up, and it's Paul Provenza's birthday party. Yeah. I was like, you need to give me more info before you do well, this. Well, they met at a fat Italian name convention. <laughs> <laughs> but then... Uh, That's why I don't keep my mom's family name. <laughs> So then we just started uh, at the end of the party because we stayed around until we sobered up. Right. But at the end of the party, he he walks up to Paul and he goes, "Can I? Do you have like a bag?" And Paul's like, "I sure, I guess." And then he went over to the food table and just started putting leftover food inside of this bag. And then uh, Paul was like, "What are you doing?" And Tony went, "Oh no 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 no, I'm homeless." <laughs> and then just continued to do it. <laughs> And then said, if you have anything else, I'll definitely take it off your hands. What? So Paul went inside and got leftovers from his actual fridge yeah. and brought them out and just gave them to Tony. You want to hear an amazing story? You know who did the same thing on the thing I just worked on? Is Gilbert Godfrey. What? <laughs> he just started wandering through craft services and then just throwing food in the trash bag. We're like, are you a millionaire? He's like, I guess. <laughs> and just, he's like this beautiful little hobgoblin. And he's just like, I don't know where I am. Are you my mother? When is my flight? home and then they just push him into a million dollar escalade <laughs> and as soon as he gets in the act drops and he goes got him again <laughs> you've done good the Gilbert. jig is up uh, well they gave Charlie a piano but he didn't have a car or anything <laughs> so I'm just Gilbert Godfrey is Kaiser Soze right, to me I, I, I put it on two skateboards and point me towards the hill pushed, I'm gonna make it work I'm gonna drive this piano home he pushed it like three blocks <laughs> Until he was able to trade somebody for a van. <laughs> what? what? Trade? What kind of the van? The Skyrim bartering boat. <laughs> the for... point was to get the piano. No, it wasn't. The point was to trade the piano for a van that could transport Man, the members. Every, every non-rapey and shitty like Manson story just a boom, 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 boom. With the Seinfeld baseline. It's some Kramer ass shenanigans for that sure. are happening here. Um, so this gave him a van which made the family mobile oh, and so not only did he take the piano slash van I guess at this point he also took Ruth Ann with him yeah I think we saw that oh, coming oh no hey, can I get can I get this can I get this come on, come on. Come on. I'll just tie her to the top of the roof like a Christmas tree <laughs> like grandma uh, you guys got any leftovers can I just, come on you guys have a daughter uh, okay so Ruth Ann didn't think her parents were gonna care Wrong, really wrong. Uh, they sent the cops after them. So the cops caught Charlie with Ruth Ann. She was underage. Yeah. Um, they put Charlie away only for like 30 days. Like it wasn't even like a, it was a slap on the wrist yeah. at best. Well, yeah, for kidnapping a child, that's a pretty uh, mellow punishment. I mean, yeah, I think it was because she was 15 and they were like, she came willingly. <laughs> like, right. Um, and on his way out, Charlie basically told her as they were kind of the cops were taking him away, marry anybody because it'll emancipate you from your parents and then you can come join me. So she did. She married a guy named Edward Huvelhorst as a means to get emancipated and almost immediately returned to Charlie. Yikes. Uh, this is just a long line of disappointments oh. in the Huvelhorst family. <laughs> yeah, no, finally, things are coming around for Eddie Huvelhorst. Um, oh. <laughs> oh, shucks. Come on. <laughs> My... Okay, this might be dumb. My mom. I gave away my van for nothing. <laughs> I thought I'd get the oh, piano no. and I could play it for a beautiful girl. <laughs> oh, man. 
this poor guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but kind of fuck him. He, oh, he also, God. This poor guy also just married a 15-year-old. That's true. Story. He's like, yeah, man, that's yeah, pretty gross. Rocks. That's happened like four or five times already in these episodes where people have married 15-year-olds. Man. Dude, the 60s were terrible. <laughs> when Charlie got back to Haight-Ashbury, riots had taken over. It had become a pretty, pretty dark neighborhood. Um, the group kind of hopped in the van and went to go visit an old prison pal of Charlie's who introduced him to 19-year-old Patricia Big Patty Krenwinkel. <laughs> what kind of, what she's kind not of big? that big. Okay. She's really not. She's more of an average-sized patty. She's an average-sized patty, but for the 60s, average was big, apparently. Well, she's also old for her time. In, you know, in terms of the... the in terms of the group, Of yeah, the group, she's, she's like the old yeah. one. I wonder this has been an episode full of goofy, bad last names. Krenwinkel, <laughs> Krenwinkel might be pretty the, uh, bad. Yeah, the um, Kren de la Kren. <laughs> she's not that big, but she does have a... Boo! <laughs> Suck a dick. You're lucky I'm here. I'm going to get you a dozen of new downloads. Can't wait. Can't wait so we can start a Discord channel with all kinds of nudes. Oh, yeah. Weird fisting videos on the meme. Oh, rough. Not kidding at all. Anyway, Patty wasn't that big, but she had a butter face. Um, It's it's pretty rough. a butter name. (laughs) It's pretty fucking rough. Um... So Charlie quickly took advantage, uh, had sex with her, and told her that she was so, so, so beautiful. <laughs> Yikes, you're going to be my from-the-back wife. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> um, and from that, she was hooked. No one had ever said that she was beautiful before. She also had a bit of, like, a light mustache dusting going on. Oh, God, it's, what? It's real fucking rough. Poor Patty Oh, Michael. I've seen her. I'm looking her up right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Here, go for it. <laughs> Poor thing. Give me a second. We're gonna. I will say it's it's less bad than I thought. I I feel bad. Patty just sounds like a fatter name. So I'm picturing <laughs> a different kind of. That looks like a dude in a wig. There's no good way oh, around yeah, it. Well, she, she was really born. Does. She was born Melissa, and then when she thickened up, they went. Ugh, you're a Patty now. <laughs> oh, rough. <laughs> you earned the name Patty. <laughs> oh, uh, Charlie also really liked her because she had a credit card that her parents would pay off routinely. Oh, now I see the appeal. This makes sense. There you go. She's looking so, 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 so beautiful now. She uh, should use that credit card to wax that mustache. Oh. Yeah. Uh, she wrote to her parents for, you know, about a month in to the family. And she said, for the first time in my life, I found contentment and inner peace. Like, ah, it's a trap. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Charlie then talked the family into traveling to Washington to see his mother for money. So we covered his mother a lot on the last episode, and we mentioned at the end that Charlie only saw her one other time. This is that other time. Yeah. As we covered, Kathleen, his mother, has an adopted daughter, Charlie's younger sister, that Charlie hates with a passion and has actively attacked before. So when his mother saw Charlie approaching, she told Nancy, his sister, to hide, and she said that Charlie was the bill collector. She said she wasn't happy to see Charlie. She refused to give him any money, and they never spoke again. Probably That's a good call. Yeah. That is a yeah. good it's lie, good though. For her, yeah. That is yeah. a good lie. Like, oh, he's the bill collector. Because then when you overhear it, he's like, I need some money. Yeah, yeah exactly. He's like, All right, fine, not going to give me any money. What are you having loose piano? <laughs> <laughs> Daddy needs a piano. Try to get a van. <laughs> Hilarious, because they had argued over her paying for a guitar in the last episode. <laughs> um, he returned to the group and told them that his mother didn't live there anymore and he hadn't found her. 
Sally, so who are you talking to? Yeah, for like 20 minutes. Um, so... Well, that's the move, because you can't tell all these women you're yeah. bamboozling, like, ah, I couldn't get it over on her. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then they're going to be like, oh, wait a minute, he's not Jesus. He's just yep. some weird dude that's fucking all of mm-hmm. us. Well, I love that part of the Bible where Jesus went back to his mom and was like, Mom, I really need some dough. No. Just help me out, please. <laughs> just I enough mean, to get through the shakes. He has 12 dudes following him. He's got to feed them somehow. It's... Yeah. That's fair, but now he has, what, like five women following so him? So he's got three women at this point, but mm-hmm. that is the problem, is that now Mary has quit her job, and she's in the van with them full time so they need money and there's no money coming in so they would often have to panhandle and they would kind of just make their way up and down the northern coast of california stopping in solving the mysteries <laughs> but, you know i'm doing haunted amusement parks this is just the mystery sink yeah, yeah it's, it's them stopping in the woods to frolic around naked while charlie threw knives at them <laughs> he's what? just stop he's... everything <laughs> it feels like he's a dog catcher for sad women <laughs> <laughs> Not I got my off. big stick with a net on it. <laughs> he lets him go play in the park. Come here, weepy eyes, the- Becky. <laughs> Sloppy eyed girls. <laughs> Sloppy eyed girls. Oh, oh, so, so rough. Okay, hang on. What happened first, the naked frolicking or the knife throwing? <laughs> Supposedly the naked frolicking happened, happened first, and then he was like, you know what I want to try? Put this apple on your head. <laughs> and they're like, we were having fun being wood nymphs or whatever. Nah, this is better. It was specifically wood nymphs. And they're like, we're wood nymphs. And he's like, I also have these knives. <laughs> Needs more stamps. <laughs> <laughs> these are good knives. They cost me two saxophones and a trumpet. <laughs> Wouldn't they kidnap any teens? Some sick knives. (laughs) They eventually returned to Haight Ashbury, where wars between drug dealers and deterioring condition. What the fuck is going on in this city? Wars between drug dealers. He keeps leaving and then he comes back and it's like, and then the city was on fire. (laughs) Well, here here is it. The neighborhood grew darker still. (laughs) Here is Gotham. What's happening? Basically, I mean, here's where. It was darker than San Francisco's darkest neighborhood, Oakland. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, not anymore. (laughs) Gentrified as hell. Um, But this is this kind of shit that we're getting into now is why my parents would never let us go. Yeah, and good my call. Pa- and my parents had never been. As adults, like, they grew up. My mom was born in 59, as we established. So by the time she would have been old enough to even visit Haight-Ashbury, it was, you do not go there. Um, so, essentially, wars between drug dealers, deteriorating conditions, uh, a huge homeless problem, made it really hard for them to keep living in Haight-Ashbury. Additionally, all the street preachers of the fancy free love 60s were gone, and they'd been replaced with what they deemed darker philosophies. Uh, this is when the Church of Satan opens. Yeah. Hell yeah. And uh, hermeticism kind of takes hold, and it was punctuated by Kenneth Anger's film Lucifer Rising, which we've also covered on our Satanism episode as well. Um, the leader for the orchestra for the film screening, because this was back at a time when you could still have orchestras for film screaming, right. screening, um, was <laughs> film screaming. <laughs> film screaming? It is Lucifer Rising. Just imagine Charlie walking in on an orchestra and being like, what is this, a bank of some sort? <laughs> the orchestra conductor. I'm going to hit several cats with several small hammers. <laughs> I saw it in a looney tune. Don't tell me I'm crazy. Meow, 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 meow
<laughs> I'm just picturing Charlie in the music. Find me a rib cage. I'm gonna play it like a spooky xylophone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man okay uh the leader for the orchestra was a man named bobby Boussolet, who will come in later best name of the bunch the fattest most italian name yet. <laughs> uh and he was also suspected and his assistant ham and cheese tortellini <laughs> some of our best friends are Fat Italian melting. Yeah, 100%. Melting? I meant to say nothing. So oh, I you it's, no it's melting. true. We should get all this Bartoloni. <laughs> Can I get 14 slices of Bartoloni? <laughs> it's like a lasagna, but there's fudge somewhere. <laughs> uh, they serve it in the back of a factory. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Bobby Boussoulet, uh was also suspected of stealing the film canisters for the film. Okay. Um, not the actual film itself, but just the canisters, I believe. Okay. So, weird crime, but okay. Yeah. Weird crime. Uh, he teamed up with his girlfriend, Lori, and a drug dealer named Gary Hinman, and they moved into Hinman's house. These three will come into play later in the next episode because they do eventually join the family, and it gets fucking dark. Um, They're stealing more film canisters. <laughs> I mean, they they join right in the murdery. Okay, time. that's the 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 worst part to join in on. That's like everybody who got into Bitcoin after it. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It's like, it the worst time. Like, yeah, yeah. you missed the wave. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the family was struggling, and Mary had started showing up with black eyes. Oh. <laughs> And the people close to her knew that it was actually worse than that, and she was able to kind of hide it. Uh, Charlie was anxious to recruit more men because he hoped that they would hold jobs while he could have sex with all the women. I like that Charlie is running this like a colony of ants. 100%. <laughs> but he's the queen. He's the queen. <laughs> he's just eating jelly all the time. <laughs> I eat it with my hand. I don't trust the spoon. <laughs> Spoons are for music drugs. making. Yeah. <laughs> spoons are for drugs only. You do cocaine, you do a little, give it a bop, 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 a little ham bone. <laughs> uh, he needed girls that were sexually free enough to recruit the men who would then work. And he thought it was taking too much time to break in the sad girls that he was finding to make them. <laughs> it's, it's real, real, real. None of these rough. women do it in the butt. I'm trying to get a businessman in here. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so enter. He's doing like the Glen Gary Glen Ross. <laughs> hey, always B B C coming. Uh, <laughs> enter Susan Adkins, uh, a topless. You know what first place is? It's me. It's a set of me yeah. throwing knives. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Also, enter Susan Adkins is yeah. how you got into the Manson family. Yeah, pretty much. You entered her, and then you just kind of slid right go. in. Uh, she was a topless dancer in Hate Ashbury, and nice. she, like Squeaky, had attempted suicide and run away from home. That's nice. Uh, run away from her jobless dad where she was caring for her younger brother. So she was kind of like, I'm nice out of know. this shit. Yeah. And into this shit. <laughs> and into this shit. Um, Susan was visiting a friend of Charlie's and walked in while Charlie was sitting playing music and she was instantly hooked. He seduced her by telling her that multiple women had feelings for their fathers. That's the, like what he went with and she was just like, you're right. Let's do this. Real rough. Whoa. Um, so now with all the girls in tow, Charlie decided it was time to take everyone up to Sacramento to work in a brothel owned by his prison friend. Man. Yeah, and it was every time Charlie makes a decision, it's the funniest. Thing. <laughs> yeah, I just imagine him and his group walking into the place. He to just like to, 
he puts on his pink hat with a feather sticking out, and he went, finally a pimp. <laughs> well, it's always just the craziest shit. He's like, well, I'm thinking about it. I think it's high time we go steal copper wire from the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was great. I get great. Everything's great. Char- you're Charlie. This is amazing. This is amazing. Until Mary became pregnant. We're pretty sure it was Charlie's, but there's no way to officially know because right. of the brothel. Mm. Um, but regardless, Charlie decided it was high time that they went to Los Angeles to try and seek out his connection at Universal to record his album. And that's where we'll pick up next week. Yay! Oh, dun, God. Dun, dun. <laughs> so many sad women in this episode. So many. Just so, getting sadder. But also, though. so many fantastic Charlie Capers. Yeah. I'm <laughs> glad I came in at this part of the yeah, story, yeah, yeah, where yeah. it's like not too tragic yet. Mm-hmm. The ne- yeah, the next part's a lot of like drugs and angry, unrealized music dreams, and then the part after that is just murder. Right. Fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for coming. This has been yeah, so much fun. fucking fun. Yeah, yeah thank you for coming, time. Keith. Yeah, it was a blast. It was so fun. Um, so, obviously, tune in for next week. Yeah. Obviously, do that. Oh, we're trying to... Okay, I get <laughs> we're, it. We're trying to end an episode. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> hey, if you liked... Um, I don't know. If you have any pianos that we can trade. If you got any pianos for, for me, uh, I'm in the market for a good van. You can uh, hit me up on social media at Mondo Does Stuff. M A N D O Does Stuff, all one word. And uh, if you have any beauty tips that you would like me to pass along to Patty Krenwinkle's ghost, <laughs> you can do that at Rampage Wesley on Instagram or at Page Wesley on Twitter. If you have any business plans that involve knife throwing <laughs> or wrangling sad girls to dance naked in a forest, it's really my thing. Uh, you can send those to at sundress comic on all the platforms. And if you have a hilariously fat Italian name, tweet it to me at at you tell jokes on every social media platform or listen to the Mean Boys podcast on iTunes, uh, YouTube, pretty much everywhere you can listen to a podcast. Yeah. Uh, December 21st, if you happen to be in the Orange County area in California, I'll be headlining the Rec Room with Connor McSpadden, a fellow asshole from the Mean Boys podcast. <laughs> uh, and December or November 27th, I'll be in San Diego at the Good Bar uh, headlining there. So, yeah. Yay. Nice. Yeah. Fun cool. times. Uh, yeah. And if you like the show and you want to follow us on the show... I don't know why I said it like that. If you if you like the show and you want to uh, join a, a gang of us and travel up the coast. Solve In my a new- Honda Fit, because I don't have a piano <laughs> to trade for a van. Then you can uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Colt Podcast. On Twitter at Colt Podcast Show. You can also send us an email where you detail every issue you had with everything that was said during this podcast. <laughs> Oops! <laughs> Send that, send that to coltpodcastshow at gmail.com. And if you want to send us pianos or, you know, more rap snacks or just like really anything that can fit in a box that you would mail, you can send that to 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237, Like, like the, the Shining, Los Angeles, California, 90065. Yeah, and if you uh, want to know more about the show or you want to read our weekly blog posts that dive into things uh, that we kind of touched on but didn't get fully there, you can go to our website, which is coltpodcastshow.com. And don't drink 
LSD that Charlie Manson gives you? Ooh, no, I kind of want to. Kind of want to drink it. No, you'll go insane. You yeah, will die. You'll go insane. Uh, yeah. And don't drink the Kool Aid. Bye. 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 It is perfect with four. Yeah. <laughs> I do enjoy it. It's very nice. Thank you so much for coming.